Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about Ling Yu Tang. So, in my book, From the Wall to the Water, available now at Amazon and elsewhere, I spend quite a bit of effort explaining Chinese history to my readers. How I could say the same about this podcast. What is it? If not an effort to explain Chinese history to non-Chinese people, think about this fact. Reminded me of the subject of today's episode: a man who famously devoted much of his career to serving as a bridge between East and West. Ling Yutang was born in 1895, a few months after the first Sino-Japanese War ended. And the two countries signed the Treaty of Shimonoseki, that made Taiwan into a Japanese colony until 1945. And where Ling Yutang was born was just across the strait from Taiwan, the city of Zhangzhou in the province of Fujian. And this was sufficiently late in history that he was in fact born into a Christian family. His father was a pastor, although Ling Yutang himself would not fully decide to embrace Christianity until he was much, much older. In 1912, Ling Yutang went to Shanghai to attend Saint John's University, where he studied English. In 1916, he moved to Beijing to teach English at Tsinghua University. Often called China's MIT. In 1919, he went to America to begin a master's degree in comparative literature at Harvard, receiving the degree in 1921. Ling Yutang then turned to German, spending time at the University of Jena and the University of Leipzig, before returning to China in 1923 to teach at Peking University. In 1927, he joined the government of the Republic of China, serving in a secretarial position in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. In this period, the 1920s, Ling Yutang published influential essays in Chinese and produced equally influential translations. It was a time of exchanges between China and the West, when a lot of Western texts and ideas were brought into China via translation. Famously, Ling Yutang was the first person to translate the English word "humor" as the now standard Chinese expression "yomor." When this story is told, often people say this was the first appearance of the phrase "yomor" in Chinese. That's not actually quite right. The phrase could be found in earlier Chinese texts, but it was Ling Yutang who first affixed its modern meaning of humor. In the 1930s, besides producing English textbooks for Chinese students that became extremely popular, Ling Yutang began writing books in English. In 1935, he published 
My country and my people, written in English, in America. Ding Yutang had written it at the instigation of Pearl S. Buck, whose 1931 novel about China, The Good Earth, had won her the Pulitzer Prize in 1932. Pearl Buck went on to win the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1938. The first American woman to do so. After the Good Earth, Buck thought it would be good for a Chinese writer to produce a book explaining his own country and culture to American readers. In 1933, returning to China for a visit, Buck happened to have dinner with Ling Yutang. So circumstances conspired. To make Ling Yutang into that Chinese writer, and my country and my people into that book. In 1937, Ling Yutang published, again in English, the importance of living, or the art of living, which sought to introduce American readers to certain concepts of Chinese philosophy. Then, in 1939, Ling Yutang published. An English language novel, *Moment in Peking*, since translated back into Chinese under the famous title *Jinghua Yanyun*, literally "Smoke and Clouds Amidst the Splendors of the Capital City*. The novel recounted Chinese history in the early 20th century, chronicling. The many wars and foreign intrusions and domestic conflicts of that difficult era, and the ordinary Chinese men and women who lived through those upheavals. For this book, Ling Yutang in 1940 was nominated for a Nobel Prize in Literature. Apparently, it was Pearl Buck who put his name forward on this occasion. Ling Yutang would receive another nomination later in 1950. This time, nominated by the Swedish archaeologist and adventurer Sven Hedin, who made his career in China in the discovery of the Dunhuang Caves. Of course, the Second World War had already begun for the Chinese by this time. The war began in 1937. So Ling Yutang wrote this novel in the shadow. Of the war, and in that time, during the war years, the fact that Ling Yutang had written books in English that were published in America and then translated into other Western languages surely helped to persuade a certain proportion of Westerners to take China's side in the war and to see things from a Chinese point of view. The fact that. He wrote in both Chinese and English, also made him a truly unusual literary figure in his time. Even now, it is relatively rare for a writer to have sufficient command of both languages to do so. Not to mention that, in terms of spoken language, at least, Ling Yutang's mother tongue was actually Hokkien, the dialect of his native Fujian, which is very different from Mandarin. The fact of the war also led to Ling Yutang moving to Chongqing, China's wartime capital 
1944 to teach. At the time, the Chinese government had evacuated the faculty members of its top universities from all the parts of the country that were by now under Japanese occupation and had them form a united university in the temporary capital in the southwest with what books and resources they could muster. An American equivalent, if you can imagine it, would be if all the states east of the Mississippi were under occupation by an invading enemy and the U.S. government relocated to Phoenix and brought all the top professors from the Ivy League and MIT and NYU and Georgetown and so on to teach on a new shared campus located at the University of Arizona. The next chapter of Lingertang's life was also, in a way, determined by the fact of conflict. In 1948, as civil war raged in China, as it became apparent that the communists were going to win this one, Ling Yutang returned to the United States to continue his writing career. Meanwhile, he also decided to become an inventor. Seriously. In 1947, he developed the world's first Chinese-language typewriter. The problem of Chinese-language word processing is one that has bedeviled us since at least the Song Dynasty, when the Chinese invented movable type. You may be asking, well, I thought Gutenberg invented the movable type in Europe in the 15th century. Eh, well, he invented the European version. The difference between the European application of the technique and the Chinese application lies in the difference between European languages and Chinese. European languages are written down using a relatively small number of letters of an alphabet. 26 in the case of the Latin alphabet, 24 with Greek, 33 in Cyrillic. So when you use movable type, you just have to cast many copies of these letters and use them and reuse them interchangeably. Chinese has no alphabet. Instead, it is written down in thousands of different characters. So, to use movable type, you have to create thousands of corresponding types and in enough numbers to set the pages. Remember that meme from The Simpsons with Lisa standing in front of the huge keyboard of an imagined Chinese computer? Well, that's pretty much the problem. This difference is also the reason that, though the Chinese already had movable type in the Song Dynasty, several centuries before Gutenberg, the invention didn't make as much of a difference in China as Gutenberg's invention did in Europe. Fast forward to the 20th century, and the same problem is encapsulated in the fact that Western writers already had the benefit of typewriters, but Chinese writers didn't. Ding Yutang set out to solve this problem. And in 1947, he did, designing a typewriter that had some 7,000 Chinese characters stored, 
a list of most commonly used Chinese characters runs to about five thousand. Eventually, Lin Yutang would end up selling the rights to his input method to a computer company. Except he also spent a fortune developing this typewriter, so much so that he actually had to declare bankruptcy. And he tried to borrow money from Pearl S. Buck. She refused, which, among other causes, led to a breach in their relationship, to the point where they were barely on speaking terms. And it took the U.S. Patent Office over six years to approve Lingertang's patent, finally doing so in 1952. In 1966, Lingertang moved to Taiwan. As the Taiwanese also widely spoke his native Hokkien, the Taiwanese dialect and Hokkien are largely the same thing. Lingertang said that he felt like. He was back home. Later, he was also appointed a professor at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Sadly, though, Ling Yutang's final years in Taiwan were marked by tragedy. In 1971, his eldest daughter, who worked at Taipei's famous Palace Museum, and who long suffered from depression, committed suicide. Ling Yutang and his wife moved to Hong Kong to live with another daughter. There he died in 1976, before his remains were returned to Taipei for burial. Thus ended the life of a man, who even today is regarded by folks in Taiwan and China as a once-in-a-generation grandmaster of letters. A man whose English language books, all these decades later, can still be found in bookstores across the Western world, as his Chinese language books, or even Chinese language translations of his English books, remain available as well in the Chinese-speaking world. That is the story of Lin Yutang. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.